and you were mm-hmm. like, my mother was from this one culture, and my father's this other culture. And it's like they got on two different trains, like like heading towards each other. They collided, and then clowns. <laughs> Welcome back, Intimates. Thanks for your support on Patreon, making this 2021 season possible. This podcast is about all things intimate, relationships, love, connection, community, consensual non-monogamy, kink, orgies, lovers, and of course, good old-fashioned sex. I talk with old friends and even meet some new ones. I interview people from all walks of life, from recovered addicts to counselors, sex partners to perfect strangers. I'd like to thank my hosts, the Musqueam First Nation, as this podcast is recorded on their unceded ancestral territory, where I was born, where I work, and where I currently live and play. So settle in for an intimate conversation. Reinventing oneself is no simple process. Rachel's done it a few times, and today we chat about self-deprecation, self-sabotage, but also self-reassurance, cuddling, group massage, and the other supports that can often help with reinvention and keeping you on track. Rachel was also highly motivated to reinvent herself each time, and I think finding that deep sense of why within yourself can really help a lot. While there are some episodes coming out about psychedelics and the use of them to encourage reinvention or even force or trigger ego death and reinvention of the self, I wanted to record some drug-free episodes about doing it the hard way, the manual way, putting in the time and effort, and I think it's very possible. In my experience, working through reinvention step-by-step, piece-by-piece, can be a very rewarding way to go about it as well. But let's let Rachel tell us herself here on Intimate Interactions. Welcome to another session of Intimate Interactions. I'm here with Rachel, my new friend who I met through a support group. Um, welcome, Rachel. Thank you. We are going to talk about reinventing oneself and self-deprecation and hopefully something positive, finding a thread of some reassurance. I'm super interested to talk about reframing as well. So take it away, Rachel. Cool. Well, you're you're a good guide in these conversations. So thank you. I, I appreciate what you bring to that role. Um, so, yeah, so... I guess, um, so we had just had a discussion and recorded another session and I was, I walked away to take that break and I was thinking this little voice was like, who am I? Like, why does Victor want to hear from me? Like, and almost like this whole, like, wow, like, am I that? interesting to talk to where it warrants all of this like recording of and editing of and sharing of you know and then and then I you know I I have this really supportive partner anyway like besides being a rocking human being she's just super supportive she's like you are awesome she's like you are interesting like you have shit to say and I was like right right (laughs) so like every once in a while I don't know whether that's like it's, it's sort of a measure of making sure I'm humble or it's a demon. I don't know what it is, but like, go away. It's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. You know? (laughs) Um, Yeah. For me, I I know there are two places for me that those thoughts tend to come from. I won't be able to speak for what it is for you, but for me, um, I had a dad who was very, very self-assured and sometimes self-assured to the point where, I don't know, I guess I just didn't really feel... 
I didn't really feel like he was always like I know he was always concerned about other people, but he didn't always show that he was concerned about other people. So I think for me, I'm worried about being too self-indulgent or self-involved or self-focused. So mm-hmm. I just I don't want to be selfish. I don't want to be you know narcissistic. So for me, part of the thought of like like who am I to be doing this this podcast right like why would anyone want to even listen to me like I'm nobody Mm -hmm. um and I did a podcast with Lisa Tamati who's like the first woman from New Zealand to run the um Death Valley Ultra Marathon in California which is nuts like that's an insane marathon like how human beings enter that and don't die I, I don't know yeah yeah she's also done like huge expanses of marathoning. She's done like over 140 ultra marathons. And anyways, I recorded this and I just remember being like, how did I get to a place where I'm interviewing like people of this, of this like degree of fame? Like it wasn't something I was expecting. Interesting. Um, I've also interviewed, you know, like um, I interviewed a Hollywood um, somatic sex worker and was like, wow, this person is like, has an agent and is like really well-organized um, court box. And I was just like, again, like, why, why do they want to be on my show? But uh, <laughs> uh, all right, um, I will take all comers. But, but that's kind of the mm. interesting thing, I think, is I find a lot of different kinds of people really fascinating. And I'm really interested in, uh, yeah, in that in people in different kinds of people i think that we have something to learn from everyone we meet um and if we don't find we learn anything from someone i think that can say something about where we are in life and who we're introducing ourselves to maybe i don't know i don't know what it says but (laughs) i make it my goal to try and find out if it says something maybe that's it yeah i had a friend not recoil from me, but we had a, a moment together where they were going through a, a great deal of pain and I was there and, you know, I was, you know, they were going, it was, it was messy for them. It was like, just, they were just falling apart. And for me, I was just super glad I could be there. You know, I was glad I could be there. Like I, meaning my, my personal self, like I was proud to have been the person that this other human turned to kind of like an honor, but also like, you know, I, I thought I saw it as a natural process. And then this, my friend kind of, I, I think just for a minute was regretting how messy they were and how I saw that and like all that stuff. And I'm thinking to myself, like, that's so interesting. I'm not thinking about that at all. Like, please don't make this, make it awkward that you did that. And I was, I saw it. It's like, mm-hmm no that's what we're we are all here for and one day knock on wood if i have to lose my shit i i hope you will also recognize that that level of humanity and also have your hand on my heart you know like that kind of thing. yeah i think we talked yeah. it out you know it was very brief but i kept think, remember thinking like oh no no it's all about the interaction it's all about the the experience it's not about the judgments that come with where like the the idea that you should not be falling apart or the idea that you should be not 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 be doing sex work right or not be doing marathons in the desert like what what kind of mascus are you like it's not about that it's about those 
experiences and 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 perspectives and and lessons in those moments that are mm-hmm. can all share like that you know they're common to us all so yeah and there's something about that intensity mm. and i think mm. at least in the sex workers i've known there's been a lot of and, and i should note they're not survival sex workers right we're not talking about um you know, individuals who are experiencing human trafficking or anything like that. We're specifically talking about people who choose to go into sex work. Um, they've typically been intelligent people, often professionals. And m- like most of the time, they've been people who have a deep sense of curiosity about other human beings. Um, something that I feel very strongly um, mm. similar to. Yeah, that's like the ultimate... Um making yourself that available <clears throat> um mm-hmm. boundaries, i'm sure i'm sure there's all kinds of like you know it's not a free-for-all that they're entering into but that seems to be like the ultimate um like i i i learn about these these folks they're professionals who are do- like they're like professional huggers you know and you can just sure. spend that, like a, a session spooning or something <laughs> like, oh you're talking about professional cuddling maybe i am maybe i am yeah that seems like the ultimate um that's the ultimate to me of, of giving mm-hmm. of yourself and your, your interest in other people's suffering and wanting to take that away for a moment. So. Yeah. I think it's deep, intimate and important work. And I think what's really incredible is a lot of, I, I do know some um, professional cuddlers as well. And, you know, they've described like for some people, it is a really sexual or erotic experience at first. Um, and then you just keep cuddling. And like, if you can go, like sometimes there's something I don't want to say deeper because I don't want to trivialize how deep and important sex is, but sometimes sex comes up before deep intimacy does. And I think sometimes if you can hold on and be present with a human being through that, you can get to a sense of deep intimacy. And when you're in these situations, opportunities even where you can't have sex, you're in this really intimate space where you can't have sex and it just lets you sit in intimacy without mm. a distraction from that. Mm. But I mean, that's just my take as someone who's not a professional cuddler. <laughs> yeah. I think another amazing intimacy experience while we're talking about this, because yeah. talking about professional professional cuddling made me think of Marsha Bachinsky and Reed Mahalko, who, if I'm not mistaken, I believe those two originated professional cuddling in North America, but I could be mistaken. Um, but if memory serves, they did. And Reed once introduced me to group massage. Have you ever done a group massage? I have not. So a group massage is exactly what it sounds like. It's like you get five or six people and you teach them all really good consent rules. So basically what you do is you do a boundary setting workshop first, which takes like four experienced people takes like 10 minutes for inexperienced people. You might want to set up longer and do more exercises. And then you do like a consent workshop that's, and there's sort of mini consent, mini boundary workshop. And by the end of it, everyone feels comfortable saying, hopefully, hopefully everyone feels comfortable saying what they want, what they don't want. Um, and everyone feels comfortable asking if they can do something before they do it. Um, Mm. and feels really comfortable getting and receiving a no. So you can do exercises where people have to say no, and then everyone around them gets to ask them for anything, and they have to say no no matter how much they want it. And then you do exercises um, where 
essentially everyone gets a chance to hear and know. So there's like, there's lots of different ways to sort of configure it and set up these mini workshops, but you do them. And then at the end of it, you get a person with four or five people they don't even necessarily know very well to lie down and do group massage where like four or five people are touching you at once. And you get that experience for like five minutes and then you switch and you're one of the five people for like Mm -hmm. 25 minutes. Um, But it's an incredible experience to have like eight to 10 hands on your body massaging you at the same time. It's pretty indescribable. It also sounds right up your alley in terms of consent coaching. Mm -hmm. Um, So I feel like either as a participant or either as a coach or a participant, I think I was right up your alley. Yeah. I'm just trying to take notes about what we're talking about so I can put them in the show notes so that everyone knows what we're talking about this episode. That's dope. Yeah. So how are you feeling now in terms of the self-deprecation? Um, it's, it was, it was fleeting. It was, it was there, but it was fleeting. And, um, I talk to myself a lot and whether or not my partner partner wants to hear it (laughs) as I pass. I I do the same thing. You know, it's like, Hey, Oh, you didn't know we're, I'm checking in right now about something. Oh yeah. Like she's really good about that. But, um, yeah, like, uh, it was, it was there. It was like made up imaginary, but yeah, no, I'm good. This is exciting. As so many thoughts, if not all thoughts are. Yeah imaginary it's really interesting um i also have a really active internal monologue um i do tend to have that um image train is what uh is one way that my therapist has described it which is like if you have a thought you typically have like an associated image or an associated situation or narrative and that narrative can very easily search laterally to find other examples confirming whatever it is you're thinking about So you could be like, wow, nobody loves me. And then you would just have this like train of images and situations that you could interpret like that. But it works the same in reverse as well. You could just sort of be like, I'm really fortunate to have the people in my life who do love me. And then you kind of get a train of like all the moments of Mm. people who have cared about you. Yeah. Used for good or evil. Yeah. It's like an active thing you have to do with yourself. It's an act. It's, it's, it's like car maintenance. I mean, it's definitely like a, yeah. It's a, it, it, it's a participatory sport or a contact. For sure. It's a contact. Yeah. God, all feelings are. Cool. So you have had some success recently reinventing yourself from one role in society into another. And I'm, I'm super interested to hear about your mindset as you sort of transition from one job because you, you quit your job without having a new job. Isn't that right? Yeah. That's the first time I've really done that. Um, in my life, well, shouldn't say that, but um, I did that once before because that was I was moving across the country um, mm-hmm. into a supportive into some supportive arms, so to speak. So I wanted to mm-hmm. join up with my partner and I wanted to walk alongside her. And part of that was like, hey, I'm doing my damnedest to find a gig that I can just so when I land, I'm set up. Um, and despite best efforts that didn't happen. And it was a real like, Hey, you know, do you believe in me? Like, I'm telling you, like, I'm, I'm not, you know, and, and it was very like, you know, it, it, it had to 
she accepted it as like part of it. Um, and I mm-hmm. hit the ground running though. I mean, she gave me some contacts and then I got set up. So that was, that was that one time, but this recent time, yes, I just was like in this position of, I, I am too old to ignore what environments suit me best. Mm. And I was in an environment that was like, um, just not my natural habitat for, for my, for my needs. And they say that like when creatures are put in, in their unnatural habitats, um, they decline. So if you, so the, 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 the one example I could give is like, if you're an animal captured in the wild and you're put in a zoo, um, you are no longer in your natural habitat. You begin to degrade. You will pace back and forth in your cage. You will, mm. you're not going to be yourself. Um, uh, and so that was, that was me for sure. And I had to get to that point of like, I obviously had to, to know the next direction. I didn't have it landed yet, but I began to think about, okay, if I, if I go on to this next thing, what is it? And what certification, mm-hmm. what certification out there can I get that will mm-hmm. introduce me to the field that will, that will demonstrate that I, um, on my own, on my own accord, went and sought this information. And it turns out that software development and, and all that stuff is right where I belong. Um, it's amazing. Yeah. So that's in a nutshell, how, how that went, but I was able to just resign, um, with a clear heart, clear eyes, mm-hmm. knowing that there was this other industry I'd like to pursue, um, other thing that, that was drawing me. Mm-hmm. Um, I just said, okay, well the, the consequence of me resigning will be, um, a 150% attempt at navigating and getting into that next thing. So I, I mm-hmm. made a with myself basically amazing and that kept you motivated the whole time oh that and survival you know rent (laughs) (laughs) bills (laughs) that's real sure Um, sure and probably fear of stressing your partner or things like that i feel like you know the more time that was going to stretch on without me landing somewhere obviously was going to was going to cause tension and i i don't i I, I, that's how i would feel like okay you, you jump ship but like now what hello um, I get right. that. So I was motivated by that, but also, um, um, I don't, I, I don't, I, I hope to be one of those people who's like, I, I, you know, love where you work. Like I, I do, I do want to enjoy where I spend the majority of my waking hours. I do. I also mm-hmm. though like my off time. And so, <laughs> maybe one day I'll, I'll live and love my job to the, where I'm like, wow, it's all the same, but no, I have boundaries, <laughs> you know, I have boundaries and, and, you know, I, I'm, I don't have that seed money to do like something freaking crazy and amazing. So, but I'm, yeah. I'm, content, I'm content with that shift much more content. Um, and I don't have that sense when Sunday night comes around of like dread, which is, just, it's just so taxing and just awful. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. How about you? Have you ever reinvented yourself? <clears throat> um, yes. I was not expecting for some reason for this to be a two-way conversation, but now that you bring it up, I'm like, "Huh, I guess I did." I um I wanted to be a stagehand 
at one point and then I worked really hard at that didn't get enough hours was chronically like struggling with um finances and uh eventually got a full-time stagehand gig at a local theater which was incredible like I wasn't ever expecting to be a salaried stagehand I didn't go to university for it like I wasn't the you know oldest or most senior member of the union but nobody else wanted this shift at this like theater in Richmond so I I applied for it and there was I there were there were a couple of people sort of looking for the job they were hiring two people and somehow I got hired for that job which was amazing I had a great time there I really enjoyed uh the people I worked with and then COVID hit before my first major show run so I basically had just finished getting to this goal of like wow I actually could do this like I actually could hustle and, you know, do the tutorials at home, learn how to run, you know, an ETC Ion or Leprechaun or whatever, you know, various lighting boards were being run in that theater because it depends on the room. I could learn it all. I could eventually get by and become proficient enough that I would have earned my spot there because when I started, I really didn't feel like I was especially proficient. Yeah. I was learning a lot. Yeah. They took a chance on me. But yeah, yeah I just, I guess. We must have demonstrated those qualities of of what's of what is required of 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 stage crew um teamwork and you know organization and technical abilities and getting it done and working as a you know an organism so i'm sure you have to love it like you can't go into being a stagehand for money (laughs) even though even though ironically the stagehand position I had actually paid me more per year than the current tech position I'm in. Wow. Um, it was, yeah, um, it was, it was great. It was like in, it was in the low fifties and this position is like low forties. So well, almost mid forties, but, uh, Oh man. COVID. Yeah. Yeah. So COVID basically ended theater, um, in my region, at least until pretty much now we're, we're just starting to look after vaccinations at, trying to sort of get back up and running and there's been a little bit of interest but it's like the hours aren't going to be there and i just really need stability right now so my current job is a better fit for me so i basically had a contractual in to get my job back and i was like you know what there are a lot of career stagehands in the city that have a lot more invested in being a stagehand than i do and they really could use the work right now Mm -hmm. so i ended up just passing on it and being like this will just be better for me and it frees up a spot for a lot of the really good people i've worked with who really I mean, I don't want to say that I didn't deserve the spot because obviously, like, I interviewed for it and people smarter than me chose me for that job. (laughs) Um, And, like, this is how I fight the imposter syndrome. I'm like, and I did work really hard. I did learn really pretty fast. Like, I was, I was, like, competent at a basic level for running flies and, like, competent for basic stuff for running, for programming light shows and running light boards. But, like, for a full show run, I don't know, that would have been, that that was my big test that was coming up, was yeah. I essentially was going to be, like, hitting hitting the ground super hard, learning all the things I could learn, working super hard, um, and it was going to be amazing. Like, that's what being a stagehand is, is, like, you bust your ass for insane hours for two weeks. Um, you know, you do your tech week, and you do your show run, and then afterwards, you're, like, exhausted, but you're so fed by, like, helping creatives realize this amazing vision that you're not burnt out. So, like... That's that's being a stagehand is like you just you bust your ass super, super hard and then hope you're not burnt out at the end of it because you're fed by what you're creating. And if you've got the right people, the right director, 
I really believe that was possible for me, but I ended up reinventing myself because COVID hit, lost my job, um, ended up getting on CERB. It was, it was pretty brutal too, because I just kept working at that job. But now instead of setting up for a show, we were doing, you know, summer maintenance, like end of summer maintenance. And we were doing it in March because there weren't going to be any shows and they wanted the theater clear because it was city property right next to the hospital. And there was like a lot of stress around like, well, we don't really know anything about this new pandemic. We don't know anything about this virus. We just know it spreads fast and it seems to kill people if you get it, like, which obviously isn't hundred percent. And now we know it's actually, you know, we have much better medical interventions and like it's, we're all vaccinated now. So it, I mean, all most some <laughs> depending on the country <laughs> here. It's most, um, I think where you are, it's most too. I think the U S is in like mid fifties for vaccination numbers right now. 50%. Yeah. Like you're in like mid 50% for who's double vaxxed, I think. Yeah. And so the other 50% are like all sick. <laughs> yeah. Oh hey, God. at least you don't have to pay for their hospital bills. I mean, I shouldn't say that, right? Because that's a terrible thing to say. I honestly really wish you did pay for their hospital bills because if yeah, you no, had I'm like sure a... I did too. It's like, it's, we got, a, this is, this is some bullshit. Um, this is a, you know, um, I think part of when you think about reinventing yourself in the U.S. Um, that you is. You got to think about that. Yeah. Absolutely. A, a, a consideration that. Um, I wonder how many lives it's been the differentiator for like, wow, like right. I had an opportunity, for example, to like start, uh, apprenticing as a stagehand, Right. Sure. And this would be my thrill and my, my, and I love these people and wow, what a joy it would be. I'd be excited for every day, but there's no, but benefit. you might not have benefits. Yeah. So in other words, when you're not in your, but, and then there too, if you're not, if you find yourself still not in your right environment and not in your right habitat, that causes sickness too. So it's like this right. never ending cycle, right? Of like. Um, Interestingly, the union for stagehands is American. Makes sense. Huh? Yeah. So like the international alliance of theater and stage employees, IATSE is an American union. And it makes sense. It's like it was probably needed in the United States, like more immediately, more urgently. Probably, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. And, and the U.S. has just been behind a lot of really good union movements in the past as well. Yeah. So I want to give credit where it's due. But uh, yeah, it's. I forget sometimes like how privileged I am as a Canadian. Like the notion that you know, granted, like if I need something cosmetic, it's not paid for. You know, and in fact, Canadians will complain about their free health care all the time because not enough of it's free in our opinion we're like what about dentistry why are we still paying for dentistry dentistry is really important too and it's you know it's becoming a class marker and like we really need to just have free dental included with our free health care and then you've got americans like looking at us from the states being like you're fucking cute up there complaining oh. about that <laughs> um dental is important yeah it is mm -hmm. um i wonder why it's so that's why is it not healthcare? So in Canada, if you were like crossing the street and a car hit you and like smashed out your teeth, emergency yeah. dental in a hospital, 100% covered. <laughs> but if you go in and you're like, my tooth really hurts, right? I, I, I have a cavity, I need to get it filled. It's like, 
okay, you're going to need to pay for that. <laughs> you're like, okay. What? Okay. So, okay. but if you let so, it get like, bad enough that right. the tooth needs to be pulled and you go to an emergency, I'm pretty sure they'll do it for free, but I'm not sure. Got it. Which I, is I mean, just I dumb. I got wisdom teeth out at a, um, at a, a dentist. There was a, a, a branch, I think, I, I want to say it was like University of Pennsylvania has like a dentistry school. And I went mm-hmm. as like a guinea pig. You know what I'm saying? Like it was a guinea, like a student yeah, dentist. Like, yeah, and so so that my mom didn't have to pay as much as you know. I mean, it was. Jeez. She she got stuck with that that expense because of some things I wanted to do in life. Like I had right. wanted to join the Peace Corps and that whole crap. But like, um, I had to have my wisdom teeth out before I left, and um, I remember my mom was like, "Well, <laughs> guess what?" <laughs> <laughs> so. I, Luckily, I was on a lot of gas and couldn't tell that there were any inexperienced people around me in my mouth. But, yeah, that's something. Yeah, I mean, I still I st- have I, medical. Uh, yeah. Reinventing yourself is it cannot. Sorry. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I definitely got off track with the whole COVID thing. But it was just. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was just a really big um, incident in my life, like as it was for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, um, well, I don't think COVID impacted my, um, my, my shift. So my reinvention so much as it was sort of a, it was, it had been simmering for a while. Um, when I moved, <laughs> when I moved across the country to be with my partner, I also mm-hmm. used, I also said in my heart and in my head, let us start a new chapter with the way we view career paths as well let us mm-hmm. um we're too old to be um putting ourselves in places where we're uncomfortable we'll be miserable totally miserable we are <clears throat> the energy of people is not what we need or just the pace of stuff or the expectations is i I really probably could work anywhere. I'm one of those people I know I know a lot about a little, so I probably could do most anything. Um, but I guess there's just certain industries and certain environments that um, I find soul-crushing. And mm-hmm. um, especially when I see others suffering and no one in leadership stops to take the time to say, whoa, wait a minute. Right, right. How can I unburden you? Is it, is it the vibe here? Is it, can we work with your schedule? Can we like, what can we do? Um, as opposed to that seeking permission type shit, which I, I mm-hmm. think distress. And then in the worst, and the people who are most affected by those harsh environments are mothers, uh, anyone with kids. Well, I should say this. Sure. Anyone, with, anyone with kids trying to juggle that, um, people of color, uh, yep. and anyone who doesn't look like the boss. Yeah. So I just, yeah. Uh, yeah, but we too, we too old to, uh, to be dealing with that. Yeah. Be dealing with, with, with things that we already know don't work for us. That, are that you, caused... are you allowed to say like what your job was? I was in the real estate industry. Okay. And you moved from real estate into, are you allowed to say what your new job is? Um, yeah, I'm in the software. Well, I'll just say all that I'm in the software world and okay. I'm in the sort of the project management agile arena. And cool. I find myself gravitating towards this because I live to remove barriers for people. I love mm-hmm. it. And that is a lot of what 
one does in agile project management is that you sure. you're the mechanic and when a team says the test servers are acting up again there's a systemic problem there if i can get to the bottom of that so no one has to experience that ever again which is mm-hmm. high hopes for some reason like i th- that's my thrill <laughs> oh no i get it like i'm 100 percent about efficiency um i play video games that are like logistics and efficiency like how can you make this system marginally better which is like that's the shit they pay you to do it's it also directly affects people's daily stress. Yeah. Like it really impacts stress when there's this systemic thing that's broken or janky. Mm-hmm. It makes people not look forward to the project. Like it bumps right. people out. And these, I, I, I happen to, I find myself working among these really intelligent beings that yeah. deserve to just put the key in the ignition and go. They don't, with the flat tires and the, the the schmutzy windshield, like I want to be in the pit crew, making sure that next couple of laps is like they so they can win. Like I I just like being that guy, you know. I don't know what it is. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm I'm currently in more of a. I've gone from the stage management through. We had a really good um, support structure during the pandemic in Canada, so we had what was called CERB, which was like the Canadian Emergency Response Benefit. Um, where we were making, I think, like 500 bucks a week. Um, And I made that for a few months um, just on government benefits, basically, until I got until I got my new job. But thank God. Well, because living in Vancouver, too, like if you're anywhere in this region, like like you you would have to move in some cases even on the benefits because like rent in some places is like 1500 bucks, like 1800 bucks. So it's like you basically needed to be in a situation where you had a room and you had roommates and then you could afford to live in this region on those benefits. But, uh, yeah, well, fortunately that was the situation I was in. That's awesome. Um, I think, I think one of the things that helps transitions when you want to reinvent yourself or you want to make that move, whether it's to get out of a relationship or move on to the next mm-hmm. is having that safety net and a, and a big, it just, financial safety net is huge because Definitely. if you're one if you're worried about where you're going to sleep or how you're going to eat right and how can you focus on that that jump you can't you can't you just absolutely can't and how could you um right so i think that's a wonderful 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 thing that that people had access to that's dope mm-hmm. yeah and the same thing about healthcare. like if you've got a major operation coming and you don't know how you can afford it like that's an intense amount of stress yeah how can you show up to be your, even yourself? Right. Or even apply for work. Like you're trying to pretend you're not nervous in an interview when you're like, I, you know, if, whereas if you were speaking truthfully, you might say directly to this person, I desperately need this job. And I am like, I'm, I'm getting depressed. I'm getting to a point where I'm really upset that, you know, my health or the health of someone I love and care about is going to be deeply affected potentially by the outcome of this interview. Okay. Let's sit down and do the interview now. Like, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 It's brutal. So cool. So yeah. So I ended up breaking things in software and you ended up um, fixing problems in software, fixing systemic problems about it's, processes. It's, and and it's, it's even things like cross team collaboration. Like there are departments that, mm-hmm. that need to communicate, but neither department knows how the other one rolls. They don't take the time to consider, how consider each other's language or what the other finds important like developers find their time 
is oh is yeah probably top next to you know whatever like how they how they're spending their time is 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 top whereas some other folks are they're most worried about um like hitting some sort of like uh other goal and they're not thinking about what like if the meeting isn't efficient they're not as bothered so there's got to be those bridges to to those people who are like willing to talk about and i'm still i'm still refining this skill but you have to you have to talk in truth. You have to bring things into, into the ring and shed light on things and not everyone's cool with that. <laughs> so. Right. Being willing to talk about things yeah. and specifically conflicts and confront things mm-hmm. to solve problems and make things better. Yeah, that makes so, sense. Uh, yeah. So I find this job not only a, a challenge because I'm, I'm dealing with like big, complex, multifaceted, leveled timing and shifting all kinds of stuff, as well as my own growth in those areas of conflict identification and resolution and things like that so mm-hmm. i dig it and Great. then and then i get and then i get to uh turn it all off and and be me and sit on the couch with three dogs and not wear oh, like right. sweatpants like that's cool <laughs> yeah that does sound really awesome <laughs> um do you have any final sort of closing comments about uh reinventing yourself or for people who are in a really bad work situation like what would you sort of have advice for them i would say what my mom said um you know to me all those years is nothing will change unless you fix it and fixing it is not as scary as you think um fixing your surroundings finding your habitat um will only will only make you happier it will give you back headspace it will um reinvigorate your relationships and you're the only you're the only thing in your way i i I should say i'm coming from a place of privilege i'm coming from a place of you know i am a white uh middle class uh you know i i i i I, i'm coming from a, a perspective that i know not not that is not, not everyone has. Not everyone has, and I want to acknowledge that. And for me, that method of doing something about something has only led to great things for me. So. Mm-hmm. Kind of that nothing changes unless you do kind of mentality. Ain't nobody going to open the door for you uh, Yeah. out of the blue. You have to go. You you have to say you have to say it to the universe what you want. You have to go find those mentors to point you in the right direction. You have to take their advice. You have to do. You have to learn the things, and then you have to go out in the world and say, "Hey, I'm seeking an opportunity in this world, in in this in your in your arena. I I make I want to be here. I'm excited to be here. I um I'm I'm gonna need to be mentored, but I'm all yours." And um, who wouldn't want that? Yeah, well, and I think you kind of just nailed it. Like this idea that you kind of need to interview really well. You have to be good at convincing people they want to work with you. And I think that's something both of us are pretty decent at. True. That's a whole other episode, yeah. (laughs) That's its own skill set for sure. Um, Awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing another session of Intimate Interactions with me, Rachel. I appreciate your interest in having me so how did you like it intimates 
Discuss your ideas with the community at facebook.com forward slash intimate victor or tweet me at intimate victor or follow my Instagram, you guessed it, at intimate victor. If you can spare the cost of coffee to help the show keep going, head to patreon.com slash victor salmon. We hugely appreciate your help to continue making intimate conversations for you and yours. If not, you can always help other intimacy nerds find the podcast by leaving us a review anywhere online, especially iTunes. Or you can just tell a friend. The opening music is on hold for you, made of algorithmically generated notes and chords, and played by an AI-rendered saxophonist. The closing music is Gymnopédie, number one, by Eric Satie. Both are provided royalty-free, courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Thanks so much for your time, and may your most important relationships be filled with the intimate, rich interactions you crave. Be well. <laughs>